Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Do you ever feel held back? My name is Chris, I'm one of the pastors on the team, and I've actually been a pastor for about eight years now. And this past year of ministry was the most disorienting year of ministry yet. Of course, COVID put our world into just an up down, upside down spiral. And in the midst of all that, the American church went through an identity crisis, conveniently, as we were starting Connect Church. But this wasn't just my experience, this has been our experience because as we've been following Jesus together and seeking to connect the disconnected, a mission given to us by God, we have been navigating this together. And I don't know if you felt the tension, but I know I've felt the tension. And I've been trying to identify it and here's what I've boiled it down to. God's given us this mission to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with him. And while we're trying to connect the disconnected, we've got the government due to COVID concerns, trying to disconnect the connected. Have you felt that tension? Because I know I have. How have you felt held back? Maybe you had some personal ambitions to retire, to move, switch careers, maybe even get married. And this past year has delayed your personal plans. How have you felt held back. It's not a great feeling. And sometimes the reasons we're held back are external, like COVID or other things. But oftentimes we're held back by something internal, a a tension point and a couple of the inhibiting tension points that hold many of us back far too often are uncertainty around who we are and what we're called to do. And when we're unclear about our identity or our purpose, we find ourselves spinning our wheels. And if we want to, and the, the reason being, there's a lot of reasons these hold us back, but here's one. While we're trying to find ourselves or just cover our own needs in our own little world, we're missing out on something bigger, something greater. But God's inviting us to be part of something bigger, something bigger than you, something bigger than me. And it's a movement that actually started long ago and it continues today. And over the next couple of months, we're going to journey through the book of Acts where we see the birth of this movement, and then we're invited to be a part of it even today. And as we jump into this and we look back to the first century to gain wisdom around the origin of this movement so that we understand our role to play in the movement today, we're going to start by today answering these two inhibiting questions. We're going to break free from these tension points internally that hold us back. Who we are and what we're called to do. So if you've got a Bible with you, I would invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 11, where we're going to jump into this Unleashed series and be unleashed to join God in something bigger than any one of us. Now, if you need a Bible, you can, of course, download our free church app and follow along there, where there's also a place you can jot down some notes during the message. As you're getting to Acts chapter 1, I would just like to catch us all up to speed so that we're kind of on the same page heading into this series 
Unleashed, where we're going to be in the book of Acts for a while. So to get us all on the same page, let me tell you a little bit about the context of Acts. If you like history, if you like science, you will find great solace in knowing that a historian and doctor actually wrote what we're about to read. His name was Luke. He lived in the first century. And while Luke didn't actually walk the earth with Jesus, he didn't have that personal experience, he did know people who did walk the earth with Jesus. And he talked with them a lot about their experience. Luke also joined Paul as he traveled around the Mediterranean and shared the good news of Jesus. Luke, probably in the 60s, wrote the Gospel of Luke to account for Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And then he wrote his second work, Acts, which we're about to read, which accounts for the movement of the Holy Spirit and how when Jesus ascends to heaven, the gospel goes forth. Well, who is Luke writing to? He's actually writing to his friend, Theophilus. His name literally means lover of God. And Luke writes to his friend, Theophilus, because he wants to build up his faith. And Luke's words to Theophilus then will actually encourage us today as we get to follow God and we get to grow in our faith through what Paul, excuse me, what Luke wrote. So let's do this. Let's pray now. Let's settle our hearts and let's ask to hear from God as we read his word and we answer these two questions to break free from what's been holding us back. God, would you please speak now as we open your word? Would we hear from you? Would you give us clarity around who we are, what you have called us to do? And would you give us the courage to live this out? We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, let's dive in and let's see what this movement is all about. Starting in Acts 1, 1 through 5. In my former book, the Gospel of Luke, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until that he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the Holy Spirit, excuse me, for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Luke records in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus' death, his resurrection, and his appearance. Sounds a little bit like Paul's historical case for Jesus that we talked about last week. Well, imagine with me what these couple of months must have been like for the disciples. They head to Jerusalem for the biggest feast of the year, the biggest festival, Passover. And they're hoping, like, now's the time. Now's the time. Jesus is going to ride in triumphantly. We're going to take on the Romans. He's going to overthrow them. And we're going to get the freedom that we've longed for. And they're hoping for this. They're hoping for this freedom from Roman oppression when all of a sudden Jesus is hanging on a Roman cross. And all hope felt lost. And as they're feeling their way to this new normal, 
Jesus suddenly rises from the grave and hope rose, rose with him. That's what we talked about last week. Well, he rises, he appears to his disciples, their hope is restored, and he spends some time with them, 40 days. And over this 40 days, Luke is going to share a specific conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. And in this conversation, Jesus essentially tells them, wait. He gives them this big mission. In fact, they think that, they're, that Jesus is going to, you know, now is going to take on the Romans. Well, Jesus actually gives them the mission, and then he tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Now, who likes being told wait? Do you like being told wait? Because I hate being told wait. My default is let's go for it, not wait for it. I'm embarrassed to admit this, but there are times where microwaves are even too slow for me. So Jesus is going to give them this mission, which we're going to see here in a moment. And what's step one in the instructions? Wait for it. Wait for it. I mean, talk about feeling held back. So what do you think the disciples do? Well, they did what we do often, and they press the issue. Check this out in verses 6 and 7. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Jesus' time on earth, it's short, shorter than the disciples realize. So Jesus takes this moment to refocus their attention on what matters most. You see, they're fixated on what's next, someone else solving their problem. And we do this too, don't we? We focus on the future at the expense of missing what's now. Maybe we dream about the next season of life, when the kids are older, when they're out of the house, when we can finally retire. Whatever the next thing is, we fixate on it. But also like the disciples, where they were expecting Jesus, someone else, to solve their problem, oppression from the Romans. They're expecting Jesus to do that for them. Well, we expect someone or something else to solve all our problems too. Maybe it's a raise or politics or medicine. Someone, something else as the ultimate solution to our problem. But Jesus doesn't want them or us fixated on what's next. God's got that covered. He wants them and he wants us focused on what's right now. Focused on the one right in front of us. So instead of being focused on what's next, we need to be focused on what's now. Why? Well, God's got what's next covered, but he has something in store for us right now. In fact, what he wants to invite us into right now will really move into what he has next. He wants to include us in part of the solution. So Jesus continues, and Luke records it for us now in verse 8, giving his disciples this mission. The one that they thought he was going to do, well, now he's charging them to do it. <clears throat> Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the thesis for the whole book of Acts, and it's the mission statement 
for a follower of Jesus. Before there was a church, Jesus looked at his followers and he said, hey guys, come join me on mission and together we'll change the world. More than an invitation to go do something, Jesus' invitation, his charge, his commission to his disciples is to be someone. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. What's a witness? A witness is someone who has had an experience and shares of that experience with others so they can understand the experience. Jesus doesn't call his disciples to bear witness as if it's something they do from time to time. No, no, no. Jesus calls them to be witnesses. Implicit in this is that wherever they go, whoever they're with, by whatever they do, they are going to witness to their experience with Jesus. You see, these guys had spent the last three years with Jesus. They had a personal experience with him. They observed his life. They listened to his teaching. They were present when he died and when he rose. And now they're to go tell people about their experience. Like these first disciples, many of us, myself included, we've had an experience with Jesus. We have learned from his life. We have grown through his teaching. We've even experienced him saving us from our sin. And like these guys, we're charged to be witnesses, to share of our experience with others. The church's mission only comes to fruition when we take Jesus' mission and make it our mission. And one of the things that we love to say at Connect, the way we love to summarize Jesus' mission is this. It's to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. We talk about this as our church's mission, but it's only going to ever come about if you and I make it our own personal mission, because this is what Jesus was about. And this is what we should be about as his followers. So what does this mean for us? Well, it means that we're everyday missionaries joining Jesus on a mission. We think that missionaries are people that we write a check to, pray for, send overseas, and then read an email update from. And they may be missionaries, and you are a missionary too. You see... Being a missionary isn't dependent upon where you live. Being a missionary is how you live where you live. Let me say this again because this is the mindset shift that we have to experience if we ever want to make a difference that truly matters. Being a missionary isn't dependent upon where you are. Being a missionary is how you live where you are. In fact, Jesus' encouragement is to start where you are. He said it like this to his first followers, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, their local community. Judea and Samaria, their region. The ends of the earth, the world. What would this look like for us? I like to think about it in terms of neighborhoods to nations. You see, not all of us are called to go overseas, but all of us are called to walk across the street. And when we walk across the street and we bless our neighbors, when we show God's love to our neighbors, it may just make waves across the world. Because this is what we see throughout the book of Acts. And I'll come back to this time and again throughout this series because as the gospel starts locally and then moves regionally and then moves globally, 
we just see an incredible movement take place and many are impacted by the good news of Jesus. Now one day, I hope that we could have this kind of an impact, this, this influence with the nations. And even while we were launching Connect, we shared the dream that God's given us of our, for our region. We, we dream of a front range where everyone is connected with God, the church, and their purpose. But while we dream big, we're going to focus small. Because while, yes, everyone matters to God, everyone also matters to Him. Every individual and everyone matters to us too. Your granddaughter, your neighbor, your coworker, even your enemy at work. The barista, the one who got your order wrong, mm-hmm, that one. The person who lives in the apartment above you who is crazy loud. Even them. Because every one, every individual matters to God and every one matters to us. In fact, you matter to God and you matter to us. If we try to reach everyone, it feels overwhelming and we're probably not going to reach anyone. But if we can focus small while we're dreaming big and we focus on the one right in front of us, could be at Sprouts, the one who's ringing us up. It could be the client that we're talking to on the phone. It could be the one who lives across the street. It could be the one who has a daughter on our daughter's sports team. Whoever the one is in front of us, if we can love them well, then we're going to be joining Jesus on mission. And that's what it's all about. We are missionaries. This is who we are as Jesus followers. Wherever we are, whoever we're with, by whatever we do, we're going to love the one in front of us. Now, how can we live this way? Because I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I found myself with people right in front of me that I don't want to be with, let alone love. You know what I'm talking about? How do we have the power to love these people? Well, Jesus tells us how in the beginning of verse 8 where he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. To love the one in front of us, it's not going to be by our own willpower because that's going to waver at times. We need His power, and we have access to His power, His Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the power of God in us. And it's interesting, you know, if you look at some Bible translations, they'll title this book of Acts, they'll title it the Acts of the Apostles. Well, what we're going to see throughout the book of Acts is a case that a better title for this work, you know what it might be? It actually might be the acts of the Holy Spirit. And when, if you feel like this is like just quite a bit to take in, I get it. I get it. And honestly, that's probably what the disciples felt like. Because they find themselves hearing all of this, and they're in this, this daze. They're gazing up at the clouds. Jesus has just ascended before them. They're still confused, disoriented. And then listen to what happens next. Now in verses 9 through 11, after he said this, Jesus that is, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The angels encourage the disciples to go forward. Like, yes, you're supposed to wait, but it shouldn't be this act 
this passive onlooking. Like, don't just, they're like, don't just stay here like looking up to the clouds. Like, go do what he said to do. And as we wait for Jesus to come back, may we not be passive onlookers either. May we be active participators in Jesus' mission. Because Jesus' charge to his first followers is his charge to us too. Now, how do we live as everyday missionaries? What does it look like to join Jesus on mission? This is what we're going to see throughout the book of Acts, and this is what we're going to live together over the next couple of months in this Unleashed series. Now, in the meantime, here are three ways to get the most out of this series. All right, the first is this, pray expectantly. Throughout Acts, we're going to see the disciples pray boldly, expecting God to move. Now, we could wait until that message a couple weeks from now, but instead of waiting, let's just start praying now, and let's pray in such a way that we expect God to show up, so that when he does, we know it's him, and we can give him the glory for it. But prayer is a conversation, and any good conversation isn't a monologue. Amanda reminds me of this often. She'll be telling me about her day, something that's on her mind, and I'm listening to her. And then she'll pause, and I'm still listening to her. And then she'll prompt me, Chris, is there anything that you would like to contribute? Any questions you want to ask? Any thoughts you have? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, right? Because conversation, it's not a monologue where one person only listens to the other. Oh, no, good conversation. It's a dialogue. So while we pray expectantly, really praying boldly that God would show up, that he would move, let's also listen to him. And there's no better way to listen to him than reading his word. So we're going to do something as a church family, and I'd love to invite you to be a part. What we're going to do throughout this teaching series is we're actually going to read through the book of Acts together. And we're just, it's just a, some days it's just going to be a few paragraphs. Other days it might be a little bit longer of a story. But here's the deal. We're going to do it together, and together we're going to hear from God. So whether you're exploring faith in Jesus or you're following him, join us on this journey. And if you want to read through Acts with us, here's how you can do it. On the app, you can click on the Unleashed Resources tab. Uh, right there is a tile on the home screen, and if you click on that, it, there's going to be a reading plan that is available there. Just click on that and then read with us each day the passage of scripture, and together we're going to make our way through the book of Acts. Maybe you've never read Acts before, and this is a great opportunity to read it for the first time. All right, we're going to pray expectantly, both talking to God and listening to him, and then two, link arms with others. This is another way that we can make the most of this series. <clears throat> following Jesus back then and following Jesus today, it should not be a solo venture. It wasn't back then and it shouldn't be now. But this is so countercultural because whether it's in business or in sports, we celebrate the individual success story. But what we don't know is that behind every success, it's not an individual. There's a team. Sometimes it's one or two people. Sometimes it's hundreds or thousands of people. If we want to be part of something bigger than ourselves, We've got to do it with people beyond ourselves. So join a group. Join a community group. You, there's no way around it. Like You will miss out on different elements of this series if you aren't doing it in community. So find a group near you on a night of the week that works for you. You can find them online, the app, and 
reach out to the leaders so that you can get plugged in right away. We're going to be encouraging one another to live as everyday missionaries. We're going to be sharing what we're learning in the process, and we'd love for you to be part of the conversation. And our groups are also going to do things together as a group to love and show God's love to our local communities, and we'd love for you to be a part of that as well. But you're going to miss out on all of it unless you join a community group. So don't have FOMO. Find a group, and uh, you'll be poised to grow in a, in a really unique and special way in this series. Right, we're going to pray expectantly. We're going to link arms with others. And three, we're going to live boldly. What we see is that missionaries, they don't hold back. Right? They've given their lives to the mission. And just like a missionary overseas does that, we should live boldly in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our families. <clears throat> now, most of us have probably never thought of ourselves as a missionary before. So whenever we're trying to shift our mindset, something that helps is a consistent reminder. So towards that end, Jake designed a graphic that you could use as your phone's wallpaper throughout this series, reminding me, excuse me, reminding you of who you are and what you're called to do. I'm going to put it on my phone. I challenge you to use it as your phone's wallpaper as well. And together, we're going to be reminded that we're everyday missionaries. <clears throat> Again, that's available, of course, in the Unleashes resource tile in the app. All right, we're, we're praying expectantly. We're going to link arms with others. We're going to live boldly. These are just three of the ways that we can make the most of this series. Now, as I think of living as an everyday missionary and living that way with whoever's in front of us, wherever we find ourselves, whatever we're doing, someone comes to mind who's, who's part of our church family. Many of you know her. Brenda Warner is definitely an everyday missionary. She has been following Jesus for some time, and her passion and joy for Jesus, it's contagious. She invited her neighbor, Liz, to come and, and join a service, and Liz is actually now serving with our kids' team. But didn't stop there. The ripple continued, and Liz's sister, Alexa, and her boyfriend, Andrew, are now part of Connect as well. Brenda has invited her family members, and you know what? Even beyond just inviting, you know where it started for Brenda? It started in prayer. I love that because one of our values is pray first. And Brenda, every single week when we go into the response time of our service, she fills out a Connect card, and she writes the names of those in her life who she would love to come to know Jesus, and she writes them in the Pray For One box. And then as a, as a staff team, we come alongside of her and we pray with her for those people on a regular basis. But you know, Brenda living as an everyday missionary, yeah, it's impacting the lives around her and it's also impacting her life. You should ask her about her relationship with Jesus. If you did, you would hear how she's connecting with Jesus as she reads through the Bible. She's reading the Bible every single day. And she'd tell you about how she's connecting with people. She's part of actually my community group. And we're growing together through discussion and prayer and supporting one another. And then she's also connecting people with Jesus, praying for one, inviting people. But even beyond that, Brenda wants to bring community, like gospel-centered, Jesus-centered community to her area. So she's actually apprenticing this spring to maybe lead a group in Highlands Ranch one day. I love that. She wants to connect people with Jesus. So imagine with me, what if, what if you and I lived like Brenda? What if we lived 
as everyday missionaries. What would the difference be in your life? What would the difference be in the lives of those who live with you and live around you? Who knows? As we focus on the one right in front of us, all those ones, they might just multiply into a movement. That's what we see in the early church, and it's what I pray we see as a church today. To God be the glory. Following Jesus makes you a missionary on a mission. A mission that's a movement.